Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. It's funny. All I got on my mind is fried chicken. It's pretty incredible. See how that works? Now fried chicken's on everyone's mind. Tomorrow you made it sound so stinking good. Now I want that for dinner tonight. Got to shout out one more time to Joe Seafood, Prime Steak, and Stone Crab, who delivered a bunch of fried chicken to the radio station when I'm not in the building. So now I got to go out and get my own. If you want to check out Joe Seafood, Prime Steak, and Stone Crab, 3500 Las Vegas Boulevard South, located in the forum shops at Caesars, make sure you check them out, www.joes.net. That is their website. And Big Deuce hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Speaking of fried chicken, which one is it, Popeyes or Church's? I'm really a Church's, dude. I mean, I like both. Don't get me wrong, but I think Church's is for me. But that's me. What do you think, Damon? Popeyes. I had Popeyes last night. I of mean, course you did. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. I mean, they're both really good. Don't get me wrong. I know which one it ain't. It ain't that guy with the last name Sanders. I'll tell you that. That's that is not the one for me. But that's that's a whole nother, That's a whole nother conversation. I, you see, I didn't I didn't go there and, and just dime them out. But uh, I think everyone gets the hint. I, hey, look, man, you know that'd be like, yeah, I don't like the burgers from the place with the clown. Okay, <laughs> we well, know. Okay, well, you, there you gotta go. say nothing. You, well, there, you, there you go. It. You didn't say enough. You put well, that's fine. You could throw a clue out there. You could put breadcrumbs out there without just going ahead and putting the whole thing. Just saying, man. You know, investigative reporters, man. We'll let everyone do what they do. But uh, I, I do have fried chicken now on my mind, so a big shout-out to our good friends at Joe's. I had the question that I threw out there on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Realistic expectations for the pass rush, rush duo of Crosby and Jones. Last year, Jones, Chandler Jones, had 10.5 sacks and forced six forced fumbles. And Max Crosby had eight sacks and a ton of pressures, as we all know that. So I want to know what your realistic expectations are for those duo, that duo, and then also realistic turnover numbers. In 2021, the Raiders had six interceptions, 17 forced fumbles, and they recovered nine of them. And then they, uh, the opponents were 12 of 21 on fourth down. So they had 24 total turnovers on the season. What do you think should be realistic numbers when it comes to the turnovers? And we had a really good conversation, if you're just tuning in, in the first hour with Deontay Lee about all things defense and what his expectations are from the Patrick Graham-led defense and how things are going to change, how they can make it so the players can adapt to the change to the 3-4 easier than, than others. And Chandler Jones was a big reason why Deontay Lee believes that the Raiders' defense will be able to adapt pretty quickly. But – I want to hear from you. Again, Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. You can always call us as well, 702-365-9200. And then you, we have Twitter, at your boy Q254, and R, at R&R 920 AM. And that's where Mike tuned in. And Mike said this. Um, wait, first of all, got to get to the first one. He said, I don't expect more than five or six sacks for Jones. Rushers don't get better in their mid-30s, especially after signing a fat contract. 
Don't forget, he almost got half his sacks last year in, a, in one mismatch game. Ten plus for Max, though. So doesn't believe that Chandler Jones is going to have a big season, and he does believe that Max Crosby will. And those half, half his sacks that he received in 2021 were against the Tennessee Titans and Taylor Luan. And I'm not trying to uh, poke fun at you, DeMond, but you remember that game. It was painful to see Chandler Jones have that kind of dominant game. But look, I mean, you can't hold that against him. You know, you can't hold that against him that, that he had five sacks in, in one game. I mean, there was games back in the day when Khalil Mack was a Raider that he had five sacks. I always go back to that Denver Broncos game, and I think he he won, what, Defensive Player of the Year that, that year, and he, he totaled 15. Well, five of them came in one game. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, that's what pass rushers do. They get them in bunches. So, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but – I'm not going to hold that against him. He still got 10 and a half. And then Mike also doubled down and said, I also think Unique Ngakwe gets 10 to 12 sacks back with Gus Bradley on a line stacked with talent. And I agree. And the reason I agree is because something I said earlier about Unique Ngakwe. That dude is just a constant constant, right? He always is going to get you at least eight sacks. And he had 10 for the Raiders last season. So I do believe that 10, 10 sacks will be at least what he gets. And 10 to 12, I think that that's very reasonable. But Raider Nation would love to hear from you again. 69187 keyword r Sir Whiskey Ray said, Q&D, I believe for the upcoming season, our defense with the addition of Chandler Jones will definitely increase by eight-plus additional sacks. I think both Mad Max and Chandler will cause consistent havoc, which will lead to more forced fumbles. Most importantly, our defense will recover the fumbles, which was an issue last season. Constant pressure by our front four will lead to bad passes and interception will come easier in 2022. Also, we can't kill ourselves on third and long and make mental errors with dumb penalties that lead to first downs. I feel at times that that's our Achilles heel. It's frustrating if our defense can hang around the middle of the pack on defensive rankings, 15 to 16, no doubt we'll be a 12-win team. Uh, great answer right there from Sir Whiskey Ray. And that is one thing that the Raiders do a lot of, third and long. Somehow the team is able to uh, you know, convert on third and long, whether it's by uh, a great play if it's a penalty, I don't know how many times we saw even Max Crosby to his, you know, uh, we like to praise him for a lot of things he did, but there was multiple games where he hit the quarterback late and it didn't even look like it was too late to me. Like it, it didn't really look like it was a big deal, but you know that these officials are going to call it so borderline that you just can't do it. You know, we'll sit in the press box and we saw multiple ones and there was one that happened like right on the sideline uh, that was on the press box side of things, right on the Raiders sideline. And I remember as soon as he hit, and I think it might have been the Washington game, I'm not sure, but as soon as he hit him, I was like, oh, that's going to definitely be a flag, even though it wasn't really a big deal. You just can't do it. So uh, those, are, those are some of the Achilles heels of the Raiders is not being able to get off the field on third down. So definitely appreciate those texts. Keep those coming. Uh, calls as well at 702-365-9200. We'd love to hear from you in the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r r Now let's go ahead and jump into cover three. It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. The biggest news of the day when it came to the NFL was the acquisition of Baker Mayfield. The Panthers uh, got the number one, the former number one overall pick for a 2024 conditional fifth-round draft pick. Think about that. Baker Mayfield was a former number one overall pick just a few years ago, and the Panthers sent a 2024 conditional fifth-round draft pick. Conditional, meaning the guy's got to go out there and play and really play at a high level to even get that. They basically gave up nothing. And then, of course, the other conversation around Baker Mayfield was compensation, right? No one wanted to pay the $18 million that he was owed in that fifth year of his option. And uh, so the, the compensation goes like this. The 
pay for Baker Mayfield will be $10.5 million this season, which means they trimmed over $8 million in cash and salary cap space. The Panthers will pay Mayfield $5 million. Mayfield agreed to trim 3 and a half off his base salary. So there you go. Like the Carolina Panthers, I think they're in a good position now that they have Baker Mayfield. I've, I've said it multiple times that Matt Rule is up against the wall. He's got to figure out a way to have a successful season in Carolina or he's going to have to sharpen up his resume. And Baker Mayfield is playing for a new contract and a new team. It could be a long-term deal in Carolina. It could be for one of 32 other teams in the league, depending on who needs a quarterback next season. I don't know who's going to be the team that's going to be the suitor for Baker Mayfield following this upcoming season, but this year it's all about him balling out, trying to do the best he can. And the one thing I can tell you about Baker Mayfield from covering him when he was at Texas Tech and covering him when he was at Oklahoma, when you count him out and you have his back against the wall, that's when he plays at his best. So I do think Carolina's getting the best version of Baker Mayfield. The only question, DeMond, is, is it going to be a good enough version of Baker Mayfield? Well, it depends on what good enough is going to – what are the Panthers' expectations for the season? They got to win. They got to win. Hey, because I feel like eight and nine, that's success. That's a successful season. I know every team is like, hey, we want to get to the playoffs, Super Bowl, you know, yada, yada. You want to be your best self. But, hey, man, end of the season, Baker Mayfield takes them eight and nine. Hey, that's, as good as, that's as good as I think they could be. Would that save Matt Rule's job? Ooh, that's a tough one. That's what, that's yes. what his goal is. That's what his job is, is to save Matt Rule's job. That's, I mean, that's why Matt Rule makes the move to go get him. That's the only reason, because he wants to get that job. Now, I'll say this. If Rule goes back to college, he can go to any, any college he wants because he's proven that he can get it done. But he has not proven that he can get it done in the NFL. And I know for a matter of fact, from knowing the guy personally, he wants to be in the NFL. He told his very first recruit when he went out on the recruiting trail at Baylor University, he went out and got his very first recruit and said, in three to four years, I will be in the NFL. I will help you get there. I mean, that's what he Ooh. told him. He did not lie to him. He said, I am going to go to the NFL. College is great but I want to be in the pros. So that's what he wants. He wants to be an NFL head coach. I believe in Matt Rule. I know Carolina believed in Matt Rule when they hired him. That's why they gave him a six-year deal and gave him a boatload of money. But, hey, man, <laughs> show and prove, right? My man P.E. in North Carolina always says you got to show and prove. This if, year, got to show and prove. If they can go 8-9, and nine, maybe even 7-10, and 10, but show some promise, I, think, I do think that he can keep his job. That's Depends, possible. like, if they pick up, like, oh, they finished the season with a five-game win streak. But, you know, they obviously didn't right. make the play. Like, I think that's like, hey, we can get a couple more pieces. You can convince yourself into let's keep Baker Mayfield around here and, like, turn this thing around. It could be. Could be. It's really all about the way that they play and the way that they get to their, their final, whatever their uh, standings is going to be, whatever their uh, win-loss record is going to be. So, yeah, you're right about that. But there you go. Carolina's got their guy, Baker Mayfield and, uh, and Matt Rule teaming up together. The next question is, where's Sam Darnold going to play next year? Is he going to be a backup? Probably not. I mean, I wouldn't want to be if I was a former, you know, first-round pick and Sam Darnold, hey, send me somewhere else. I don't know who's going to pick him up. I don't know where Jimmy G is going to go. They were also in the same draft. Right. There Mayfield you go. So what was he, third? One and three on the same yeah, team. There you go. One and three. Yeah, exactly. That tells you all you need to know. <laughs> tells you all you need to know. Let's stick with the quarterback theme. How about Jameis Winston? He is throwing right now without a brace on his knee, and so that's a big don't, uh, big deal. They're calling it a, a, another milestone in his return from his year his year season ending ACL injury that he had a year ago. Apparently, he posted a video on Instagram this week of himself throwing without a brace on that repaired left knee. And look, when you post a video on Instagram. I mean, it is what it is. Obviously, you're posting it because you want people to see it, so I can't tell you if his knee is feeling 100% great, uh, but he was in mandatory minicamp wearing a brace on his knee, so it seems like it's another step in the right direction, and the one thing I'll say about him, man, 
I hated what happened to him last year. He was playing some really good ball, and then, boom, tore his ACL and suffered MCL damage as well. So, uh, I mean, it's about eight months since he tore his ACL. So we'll see if, if when training camp opens up, if he's playing with a or practicing with a brace on his knee. I mean, of course, quarterbacks aren't getting hit, but you don't want to you don't want to take a chance and, and have him damage his knee or, or just come back a little bit too quick. But apparently, he put it on Instagram that he uh, he was out there without a without a knee brace. So that's cool. Q, not only is he out there without a knee brace, the caption for the post is rain, sleet, or snow, and it's raining outside. Come on. He's locked in for next season. <laughs> so you, you're buying it, hook, hook, line, and sinker. Oh, propaganda works on me. Uh, apparently. Wow. Well, okay. How about this propaganda? RG3, former quarterback in the league, says he's ready to go. He actually was in an event at, uh, in Waco uh, at Baylor University because he went into the Baylor Hall of Fame, and he told everybody, hey, I'm ready to go right now. I train every day. I throw and work out. I know what it takes to get my body ready, and I'm doing these things. Yes, it's a little bit tougher when you're flying around everywhere doing stuff for TV, but when you really want something, you make it work. So if I get a call this year, next year, or five years from now, I'll be ready to play. RG3 is ready to get back behind center. He's ready to go. Are you taking a flyer on RG3? If if a quarterback gets hurt in the in the preseason or not preseason but in training camp, are you calling is your team calling RG3? No way, not a chance. When you said ready to go, my first thought was go where? <laughs> He's only 32 years old. RG3 or Cam, if they were both like, "Hey, I'm healthy as a whistle, like, hey, give me a shot." And your quarterback's down, which one would you bring in? I would probably take Cam because he's bigger. You know what I mean? He's a bigger guy, and if if he if and when he gets hit, I feel like at least he'll he'll survive. RG three, that's always been the biggest thing with him is health. I mean, you know, and Washington obviously did him dirty, and he ain't been the same since. And he tore his ACL going all the way back to Baylor, so there's that. But I found it pretty interesting that he's saying, "Hey, I'm ready to go." He's all, again 32 years old. I know he hasn't taken a snap in 19 months, but just saying, just throwing it out there. Quarterbacks, I mean, quarterbacks are needed, brother. He looked like a good backup to Lamar. I thought that was a good situation for him. I did, too. I did, too. I thought, and I asked him about that. He was at a, an event in Baylor, and I asked him, I said, hey, how, how is things going in Baltimore because you're backing up Lamar Jackson and you guys have a similar uh, you know, skill set? And he really kind of poo-pooed on that really quick. Like, no, nah, no, nah, we're not really the same. And, and he wasn't being, like, angry at me. He was just like, no, nah, we're not really as, the, as, as sim- uh, similar as people think we are. And so, uh, yeah, he, he, you could tell he wasn't really fond of being – Lamar Jackson's like teacher of how to play the game, and like he didn't want to be that guy. Uh, I could tell by that answer. And I was like, all right, well, that's that's cool. <laughs> whatever, whatever is whatever, right? So it is what it is. So that's what I got for you for Cover Three NFL news and notes. Just a few little notes around the league, sticking with the quarterback theme. As the big news of the day was Baker Mayfield being traded from the Cleveland Browns, finally getting up out of there, and now the Browns are stuck with well Deshaun Watson. Uh, Josh Dobbs or Jacoby Brissett. Like, those are the three options right now that they have. And who knows when the Deshaun Watson news, the suspension is going to roll out. And once that comes, then it'll basically be Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs. And we'll see what they do after that. But uh, that's all I got for you for Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day. Coming up at 3.30, Sam Gordon for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. We'll talk all things G League uh, basketball as it's coming to Henderson at the Dollar Loan Center. We'll talk all things Raiders training camp as it's a couple weeks away. We'll talk a little LVA since we got a lot of that. But we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you right now. 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Looking for realistic expectations for the pass rush duo of Crosby and Jones who had Together, they had 18 and a half sacks a season ago, 10 and a half for Chandler Jones as he was a member of the Arizona Cardinals. He also had six forced fumbles. And then realistic turnover numbers for the Raiders' defense in general. They had 24 if you count the interceptions, 
fumble recoveries, and stopping teams on fourth down as they were 12 of 21, so they stopped them a handful of times. So let us know. 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Well, Chet Holmgren, in the first nine minutes of your summer league debut, you had 13 points. How were you able to get comfortable so quickly out there? Man, just shout out to my teammates setting me up, uh, you know, talking to me, putting me in position to be successful. A new summer league record for blocks. We talked about your competitive spirit. Only six. That's He's a he, That's a record. Oh, well, I'm coming to break it again, so. Okay, tomorrow, there's always tomorrow. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. There's Thunder rookie Chet Holmgren right there from Gonzaga. He in the building feeling himself a little bit. Dropped 23 points, had six blocks. Well, I'm coming to break that record tomorrow. I'm not mad at the confidence in the young man. He's got a lot of people talking right now. Shout out to Chet Holmgren. Shout out to uh, Summer League. He's playing that Summer League action right now, and there's going to be Summer League action going on tomorrow, and I'll definitely be there to do the show there live from 2 to 5 p.m. Now, the problem with that that I just have realized and, of course, Ray Nation, we still want to hear from you. We'll get back to our show topic in a little bit. The problem with being at the Thomas and Mack Center at 2 o'clock tomorrow, I'm going to miss out on the event that's happening at Allegiant Stadium tomorrow involving the Silver and Black. The Raiders will announce their new team president tomorrow. News conference set for 1 p.m. at Allegiant Stadium. This is according to our guy Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He put that on Twitter out about 10 minutes ago. So there you go, Raider Nation. Boom. Breaking news right there. The Raiders will announce their new team president tomorrow. So as I got here last year around this time, they had a president, a longtime president in Mark Bedane. Then he stepped down. Then Dan Fentrelli was the interim president of the Silver and Black. Tomorrow, the Raiders will make their announcement on who the team president will be. Looking at, looking at a few of these uh, – tweets or these comments on uh, on Mick Aker's Twitter account. Uh, somebody tweeted at him, really happy for Marcel. <laughs> someone else said, number 45, fullback. Uh, someone else said, uh, they. that's all the answers that they have. So basically, everyone thinking. Then there was a WWE reference, too, that you would understand, uh, Damon, where uh, it's Vince McMahon walking in like the man. You know, like he walking in the building, he's feeling himself as well. So uh, there you go. We'll see what happens. I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, I thought that I got an email from the Raiders PR, but I, I was looking in my email during the commercial break, and I didn't find it. So um, Mick Akers reporting that the Raiders will announce their team president tomorrow, 1 o'clock at Allegiant Stadium. So that's going to be something to pay attention to. So I'm going to do my very best to be there and be at Thomas and Mac by 2 o'clock. So <laughs> I'm hoping that everything starts right at 1 and I can roll out right as soon as it's over. But I know that that doesn't happen like that. But we'll have you covered like a glove here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Coming up at 3.30, as a matter of fact, we'll talk to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And we'll, uh, we'll see what he's got to say about the Raiders and their uh, team president being announced tomorrow. We'll also talk to him about the G League and the fact that it's coming to Henderson and how this is all just blowing up as far as this little mecca that I like to call it when it comes to Las Vegas sports. Now, the question that I threw out there, and I do want to hear from you, I want to know what your realistic expectations are for the pass rush duo of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. The two guys combined last season for 18 and a half sacks. 
Chandler Jones also has six forced fumbles to go along with that. And I also want to know what your realistic turnover numbers are for the Raiders because that's something that they're going to need to do. They're going to have to find a way to create turnovers so the offense and Derek Carr can get the ball a couple more extra possessions, maybe a couple short fields while they're at it, and give them an opportunity to go ahead and extend leads or, or just get punch the ball in the end zone. Get another touchdown instead of field goals. So I uh, want to know about that. According, uh, as far as the Raiders and their turnovers go in 2021, they basically had 24. 24 total turnovers, six by way of interception, nine fumble recoveries after the, fumble recoveries after they forced 17 fumbles. So uh, let us know, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. Also, Sam and Ash text line to 69187, keyword R&R. The mailman Raider hit us up and said, Q, Jones will get eight sacks for his three fumbles. Max will get 13 sacks and lead the league in pressures for the second year in a row. I think that the rest of the crew accumulate another 10. I don't see the D getting many turnovers the first year in the system. Maybe 10, but I would love to be wrong. So there you go. Uh, that's a nice little, uh, nice little breakdown from the mailman Raider right there. 13 sacks for Mad Max. That would, be, that would be huge. You know, he had eight sacks a year ago, 10 sacks his rookie year, dipped down his second year in the league to seven. So, uh, would love to see Max get double digits. I think that's got to be the goal if you're Max Crosby to get double-digit sacks in 2022. Right now on the phone lines is our guy, our good friend, Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal on Twitter, at Gordon. And, Sam, thank you so much for your time. I have multiple things I want to talk to you about now. I know you usually join the morning tailgate with Vinny and Clay and Heidi, and uh, I, I usually kind of say, okay, well, let's, let's keep them on those shows. But you put out a tweet yesterday about the G League coming to Henderson, so I want to get to that conversation. I will in just a minute. But I just saw your colleague, Mick Akers, from the Review Journal as well, put out a tweet about the Raiders and uh, their incoming new president will be announced tomorrow at 1 o'clock at Allegiant Stadium. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Q, uh, first and foremost, appreciate you having me. Um, I think it's, I mean, a huge time for the Raiders, right? Uh, given uh, just kind of the natural changes that this organization has experienced over the last couple of years in moving to Las Vegas, uh, bringing in Josh McDaniels and, and Dave Ziegler as head coach and general manager, respectively, signals that Mark Davis wants some stability, right? Wants to build something stable, wants to have uh, something he can depend on, rely on, wants to know what he's able to get uh, day in and day out. From a football standpoint, I, I can only imagine uh, that rings true on the business side as well. And, uh, yeah, again, it, it feels like a very natural um, time and place to, to make an announcement, to announce a new hiring, and we'll see what this means. Uh, for the future of the Raiders, but but really, um, you know, again, coming off the ten and seven season, making the playoffs, uh, feels like the, the 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 franchise just kind of with all the changes, there's a soft reset uh, moving forward, and now the expectations, uh, I presume, are much higher. So uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow, who that individual is, and then we'll I think we'll know a little bit more about the trajectory that this franchise is going to take um, off the field when it comes to the business side. Any kind of a gut feeling on who you think it might be? Oh, um, not not necessarily, but I imagine it's somebody with with experience, or, um, you know, in football, or somebody that right. tangentially, um, you know, comes from a football background or a sports background. I think um, that's crucial, just kind of where the, the franchise is at right now um, here in 2022 to keep this thing moving forward, uh, and, and with you know, with the right person. Um, kind of leading things and shepherding this new era of Raider football into the future. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, the, the possibilities are endless. So uh, we'll see. Definitely exciting, though. And uh, I, I myself, you know, definitely raised my eyebrows when I saw that, you know, the email that the announcement was going to happen um, tomorrow. Did not necessarily expect um, anything, but here we are. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Right, no doubt. And I'm glad you said an email because I swore that I saw on my phone an email come through. And then when I went in the commercial <laughs> break and was looking for it, I didn't see it. 
So I, I must have lost it because I thought I saw something. It was from Raiders PR, right? Yep, yep, absolutely. See, yeah, I'm telling you. I knew I saw it. I did. So now at least I know I'm not crazy. So that makes me feel a little bit better. We're talking right now with Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal, talking all things Raiders, talking some G League, talking just about everything. Sam covers everything. And why as well stick with the Raiders theme. You know, training camp is right around the corner. Uh, the, the rookies report on the 18th and the veterans report on the 20th. Uh, I know the storyline everyone's paying attention to is the offense, the offensive line in particular. Yep. We've been talking a lot of the defense today on the show what are your expectations for Chandler Jones and Max Crosby what do you think that they could do as a duo this upcoming season oh geez Q, great question I, I think when you take a look at just kind of the track record that Chandler Jones uh, has throughout the course of the last decade um, of his of his you know illustrious career and you take a look at the the track record that Max Crosby is developing along with Patrick Graham who you know is going to come up with creative ways to, to get these guys free uh, and lose to get after the quarterback. I think the expectation should probably be what twenty sacks between the two of them, um, whether that's you know twelve for Max or eight for Chandler or or ten apiece. Uh, you brought Chandler Jones in there to create to, to form an even more disrupting pass uh, pass rushing duel than you already had. Unique Nagakwe was very good. I expect him to be very good in Indy, but this uh, shows that you know they want more more production out of that unit. And I think, of course, you um, as you know, any good defense starts with an effective pass rush. So I think there's going to be uh, a major onus on these guys to, to really dictate and set the tempo for what you want to do defensively. I know, you know, Max Crosby didn't, you know, heard you talking before I came in. I uh, didn't quite get to double digit sacks last year. A lot of pressures, but, but, you know, pressures are fantastic, but sacks are even better. So uh, I think with those two guys leading the way, uh, you, you can expect somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 sacks, 20 plus uh, between the two. And then the kind of trickle down effect that it has on the rest of the defense. If you know you're getting consistent pass rush productivity and, and that, those guys are getting after the quarterback, uh, you know, on a regular basis, consistent basis, which is certainly the expectation. It's why you form that kind of duo. I think it allows you to, to do some things creatively uh, on the back end with your linebackers as well. So I expect uh, this defense to be a little bit more versatile, a little bit more unpredictable than we, what we saw last year uh, with Gus Bradley. And if it is to reach its full potential, uh, the two pass rushers are going to be at the epicenter of that. There's no doubt about it. So that's one of my storylines that I'll be paying attention to when training camp starts and we get out to the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. What will you be looking for, again, outside of the offensive line? Yeah, I, I just want to see um, – I'm really curious to see just how the, the skill position players come together. I think we got a sneak peek uh, at minicamp or whatnot, but you go out and you get a Devontae Adams uh, and, and add him to an offense that has Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller for a reason. You want to be a top five, top six, top seven kind of offense. You're expecting explosive – uh, productivity, explosive playmaking, and when I take a look at that trio, I think the skill sets, um, they would seem, at least on paper, what we know about each individual player's skill set, seems like they're super complementary of one another, right, Q? That's what I want to, I want to see how that uh, plays out on the grass. Devontae Adams running every route in, uh, in the tree, being able to get deep, stretch the field, take, they take the top off the defense. Darren Waller, a lot of those same elements at his size, but we know what we can do, he can do underneath as well and after the catch, and then you have the technician, Hunter Renfro, who I think is a little more cute than just, you know, a route runner. I think we saw him get up the field a little bit, super good after the catch uh, as well. This is an offense, I think, that has the potential uh, health permitting to have three 1,000-yard um, pass catchers. And as training camp unfolds, what is Josh McDaniels going to do to get each one of those guys uh, involved? How are they going to complement each, each other once we see more and more reps and as that familiarity, uh, personnel familiarity and that chemistry with Derek Carr um, continues to develop collectively as an offense. 
Uh, I think provided, like you said, that that offensive line is stable, a little better than what you had last year. I don't think you need top three to five offensive line play by any means, but if you can stabilize what you have up front, uh, this offense has a tremendous amount of upside in terms of putting up points uh, and being exciting for fans and fan-friendly. Uh, we'll see how that comes together, but that's something I, I'm really looking forward to is seeing how those players on the perimeter develop and the kind of cohesion, how quickly they're able to develop that kind of chemistry. That would be a big-time offensive explosion, man. If they had three different receivers with 1,000-plus yards, that would be a big-time explosion. Not impossible yeah. at all. Not impossible. They have that kind of firepower. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how it all comes together. Again, we're talking with Sam Gordon right now with the Las Vegas Review-Journal on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Now, I saw your tweet yesterday where you were confirming the report from Mark Spears about the G League, the uh, the Ignite. They're in Walnut Creek, California. They were in Walnut Creek, California. They're making their way to Henderson to the DLC. What does that mean? As far as the NBA, we always are looking at the NBA. Are they coming to Vegas? Yeah. How big of a deal is it that the G League is coming to the Las Vegas area? Well, I think it's huge, Q, and I, that doesn't necessarily mean that an NBA team is, is imminent. I think the, kind of the expectation – uh, around the league is at some point the league will expand and you will see Las Vegas as a market. We've heard the you know the public comments from LeBron about wanting to own a team here. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, somebody else, who has talked publicly about that. So there's going to be no shortage of interest uh, in, in ownership groups when, when the time comes for Vegas to expand. But what I think the G League coming here, I mean, just it, it strengthens the NBA ties here, right? It shows that the Henderson, Vegas, the Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Valley um, marketplace. Uh, is, is a market that the league is well aware of. They understand the benefits and the resources that are available here, both from a, you know, kind of a marketplace standpoint uh, and just from a practical standpoint with, with fit facilities and space and all that. Uh, it's kind of, I, I think you can kind of take a look at, at it as like a, another kind of pilot run. I mean, how, how will the G League do here? What will the fan support be like uh, from, from a, a day-to-day standpoint? How are players going to adjust being in the, in the market full-time? Um, it, 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 this was a move, Q, that was, was discussed for several months before um, being finalized. I think the, the G League had its eyes on Vegas for a while. They, 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 that independently of the NBA, uh, the G League and Vegas have some strong ties with the annual G League showcase uh, being here in both 2018 uh, and 2019 over at Mandalay Bay. Um, it just goes to show that, that Vegas continues to be on the NBA's um, radar. So uh, I think one of the, the kind of the issues and one of kind of the, the, the ironing points before finalizing the move was figuring out um, a proper venue. The DLC seems perfect from a size standpoint. You're not going to get, you know, this isn't the NBA. You're not going to get 15,000 fans um, at these games. I know Cox Pavilion was a, a, a venue that the, the G League kind of kicked around internally. So once they found the right place, it, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, Dacian Nix and Jaden Hardy, uh, both locals that played for G League uh, Ignite. G League Ignite had several home games here at Michelob Ultra Arena, Mandalay Bay, uh, because Jaden Hardy was on the roster. So it, it just strengthened it just strengthened those ties. Again, I don't think anything imminent by any means, but the league's presence um, continues to grow, and it's fitting that this news breaks right before Summer League, which begins tomorrow, where you're going to have everybody in the NBA here you know, for 10 or 11 days. So uh, it's huge. It continues to show Vegas' viability as a market, and, and it continues to strengthen the relationship between basketball and Vegas. 
You know, it's so funny, Sam, and you've been here a lot longer than I have, and it's crazy. I look at uh, Summerlin, and I look at the Las Vegas ballpark. I look at, you know, where, uh, where the Golden Knights are practicing. You know, obviously uh, down, to, down in, in Las Vegas, you know, on the Strip, you have Allegiant Stadium, you got T-Mobile, you got Michelob Ultra, DLC and Henderson now. It's the home of multiple, yep. you know, teams and everything. This is becoming a small little mecca is what I like to call it for sports. And this thing to me, and there's, there's obviously buildings being built right now in Vegas. I feel like this is just really about to blow up as far as all sports are concerned hey there's no question about it q and, and then you, you have that three you know the arena the the arena project um that's being developed uh, as well so you're yep. going to add another venue but you you take a look just across sports uh right we know about the combat sports presence here mm-hmm. the raiders the aces the knights now you're seeing the nba continue to strengthen his ties you have f1 coming here you have all kind of conference tournaments the ncaa like this is a burgeoning, like you said, Mecca is the perfect word. It's not, it's not shrinking uh, anytime soon. There are a number of advantages of this marketplace. I think uh, that's being understood and really being mined and cultivated and tapped into um, over the last few years, and it's not going to stop. I, I know it certainly makes you know, our jobs exciting, um, and I think it just makes the community more exciting in general. There's, more, you know, there's already so much to do here, but now there's, uh, you know, if you, your appetite, any kind of sport you want, it's available here uh, at, some, at some level. And, uh, yeah, again, it's going to continue to snowball, and we'll see what happens from here on out. Yeah, Sam, with the G League Ignite team, do they still play the full schedule against the other G League teams? Because I am still unfamiliar. I know that some prospects say if you want to skip high, if you want to skip college and go play for the G League Ignite, you can do that. But do they play separately, or do they play a full schedule? Do you know, have any more information about the actual G League Ignite team and how they operate in the NBA G League? Yeah, it's a little different, um, Demond, than, than just your conventional team. The, the focus is is development, right? You you this is the point of the team is to develop um, young players that you believe can be you know high high round draft picks in this league and be uh, contributor players at the highest level for a long time. So it's usually a group of four or five young players. Again, Jaden Hardy being one of them last year. Dacia Nix before that. Coronado and Trinity International, um, respectively respectively but then there, there it's a lot of training a lot of development and you're on the team with several veteran players and it's you know about learning to be a professional i believe uh gd ignite played something like 24 games last year so you're not getting quite the full season slate quite the schedule but you are getting a sample size i, th- I think the program is designed to ease players into being professionals not just giving them uh, the full load right away so um, when you take a look at the roster, you know it's not finalized for next year, but one player that will be coming back, uh, Demond is Scoot Henderson, explosive six-two, six-three point guard, uh, was awesome this year. One of the best players on G League Ignite, and, and viewed as one of the front runners along with Victor Wembanyama, of course, uh, over in France, the seven-three uh, kind of unicorn that we've never seen before. But Scoot Henderson is right there in terms of prop, top pro prospects. So when you think about G League Ignite coming here, the development that's going to happen. Um, it gives fans in Vegas and basketball fans in general an opportunity to see somebody in Scoot Henderson that may be a future superstar in the NBA. And you know, G League Ignite's not done adding talent. It, it is proven, I think, the last couple of years. You look at Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, uh, and others a, as a viable alternative to college basketball in terms of developing uh, professionals with the resources, the training that it provides. Uh, and having it here in Vegas, of course, is, again, is advantageous for a number of reasons, and, and fans here can get a look. Uh, at some of the next generation of basketball players that are going to be playing in the NBA. 
Yeah, you mentioned Henderson. You kind of already answered my next question about who is going to be one of those two or three players that's actually going to bring butts in the seats. And do you think that the prospects on the team that they're going to like contribute to who comes or fans are just going to be hungry to see basketball here in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely, the, you know, the better prospects um, that you have on this team, of course, the more interest there's going to be. But I think um, just having basketball being headquartered here and, and games at that high level, uh, of course, you're going to have other G League teams coming in that might feature players that, you know, draw fans to the arena. And then going down the road, uh, depending on how long G League Ignite is here, I mean, screwed up, of course, the headliner, um, DeMond on this year's team. But you've got Modest Buzelis from uh, Sunrise Christian, 6'9", 6'10", playmaking forward, kind of in the, you know, the, the NBA is looking for big playmakers, uh, tall players that can handle the ball and have perimeter skills and can get other guys going. He fits that mold. So he'll be here not this year, but in 2023 down the road. I think, again, you're going to continue to see uh, five-star prospects, you know, guys that uh, normally would be considered blue blood kind of players, Kentuckys, your UCLA's of the world. You're going you're gonna to see more and more continue to go to G League Ignite. Again, it's, it's proven to be viable multiple first-round picks the last couple of years coming from G League Ignite. You're playing better competition. You're playing adults. You're playing men, the kind of players you're going to be seeing uh, in the NBA. So there's a lot of advantages. I think, again, college is, is still a top option, especially with NIL. And I'm not saying G League Ignite by any means uh, is going to have, you know, six, seven, eight, nine NBA players, you know, first-round picks on any given roster. Uh, but they're going to continue to develop star players and pursue uh, top players uh, and convince them to bypass college. Um, Scoot Henderson, again, one to watch uh, this year. I have no doubt he's going to put on quite a few shows at the DLC in Henderson this year. Well, Sam, it would be criminal if I didn't ask you before we let you go. What did you think of that uh, UFC 276 this past weekend? Oh, man. Um, you know, the energy in the building was fantastic. I thought uh, Izzy's walkout, uh, that's an all-timer, kind of going with the Undertaker theme. Um, but, you know, again, it's not, it doesn't always have to be pretty, right? It doesn't have to be pretty for you to get it done. Skills pay the bills at the end of the day. It's about uh, hitting and not getting hit. You heard Floyd Mayweather, and, and regardless of the criticism, um, he continues to prove that, that he's the best fighter, um, one of the best fighters on the planet pound for pound. So it was an awesome, uh, awesome event. Uh, I, I understand, you know, some of the concerns that the fights weren't quite as fan-friendly, but that's, hey, listen, it's these guys' jobs to go in there uh, and handle business. Uh, I think you saw some of the best. Uh, pound for pound fighters in the UFC do that on the card the other night. Yeah, no doubt. It was a hell of a card and a lot of great reaction from it. And I wasn't in the building, but I was definitely paying a lot of attention to what was going on. So I know it was fantastic. Well, Sam, great reporting, man. Great job covering everything that you're covering. You're the man around town. What you got coming out that uh, we need to be on the lookout for? Uh, yeah, Q, um, spent the week, uh, spent, spending this week um, working on a profile, a uh, summer league profile about Orlando Robinson Jr., formerly of Centennial uh, High School, played club basketball with Vegas Elite and Be uh, the Las Vegas Knicks before going on uh, to an all-Mountain West career at Fresno State. So getting deep into his journey and how he got, um, he's playing summer league with the, with the Miami Heat, how he got um, to that level. So uh, look for that this weekend, probably uh, on Sunday. So excited to be putting that together. And we'll be out at Summer League um, pretty much for the entirety of the event. It's one of my favorite times a year in town with all the basketball that we have, of course, with training camp on the horizon. So I'll be out at Summer League, and, and I'll be at the Aces game tonight, their final game uh, before the All-Star break. Kind of want to see how they respond to a, uh, a little bit of a swoon the last couple weeks. Yeah, man, they need a victory, Sam. I mean, can you tell somebody that I said, hey, man, can you find a way to get a victory? <laughs> no, they, they definitely do. They have not been playing their best basketball the last few weeks. I know Becky Hammond and company want to finish uh, the first half of the season strong. It's a good New York team, too. They've yes. been playing better basketball 
um, at this year with, with a new uh, regime up front. So we'll see how things go tonight. I expect the Aces to, to play a lot better than they did the other night against Minnesota, that's for sure. Yeah, they're going to need to, no doubt about it. Well, great work as always, Sam. I definitely appreciate you. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll see you at Summer League uh, really soon. I'll be out there as well. Uh, no doubt. You appreciate it, and thank you guys for having me on. Talk soon. No doubt about it. There he goes, Sam Gordon. Great job from the Las Vegas Review Journal on Twitter at by Sam Gordon. And normally you can hear him on uh, on the morning tailgate with Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Heidi Fang. So make sure you tune in for that because, man, really good stuff right there from Sam. He knows his stuff no matter what he's talking about, basketball, football, UFC. It doesn't matter. He's got it covered like a glove. So I definitely appreciate Sam's uh, efforts with us this afternoon. 3.48 is the time. When we come back, we'll close out hour number one or hour number two. Excuse me. Got some feedback back already on the Raiders announcing their new team president tomorrow at 1 p.m. at Allegiant Stadium. Plus, we got some more uh, conversation and, and uh, response when it comes to what Max Crosby and Chandler Jones may do as a duo in 2022. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Well, the good news I found my email from the Raiders that said about the team president being announced tomorrow at Allegiant Stadium. It took me forever. I knew. I was like, man, I know I saw an email come through from Raiders PR. It just happened to drop into a weird folder, and there it is. But uh, tomorrow, if you're just tuning in, the Raiders will announce their new team president at 1 p.m. at Allegiant Stadium. So very interested to see who that's going to be. I know a lot of fans have already talked about Marcel Reese. I don't believe it's going to be Marcel Reese. It's I know he's up and coming in the front office, but I do believe it's going to be somebody with a lot of knowledge as far as the business side of things. We were just talking to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, and that was kind of his gut feeling as well. Like He didn't know who it was going to be, as I don't know who it's going to be either. But somebody with a wealth of knowledge and someone who could really steer this ship in the right direction just because there's obviously been some turnover in that position the last couple of years, and it's also just you just want to make sure that everything is uh, headed in the right direction and, and tightened up, and you know that's what he did with the the football side of things when Mark Davis went out and hired Dave Ziegler and, and Champ Kelly and company, and now I believe he's going to do that with the president when he announces that tomorrow at Allegiant Stadium. But uh, do have plenty of feedback. Mike hit us up, uh, hit me up on Twitter. Please, God, don't let it be someone from New England. So Mike is not a big fan of the the New England ties that uh, the Raiders have now, and, and that's fine. You know, it's, it's fine for him to have that opinion, and we don't, you know, we don't censor anyone's opinion. If you, uh, you know, you don't like what they have going on, it's fair to say that, and Mike has been very adamant that he's not a big fan of it. So he said, please, God, don't let it be someone from New England. Bronx Raider tweeted at me, they should promote Dave Ziegler as president and make Champ Kelly the GM. There's a thought right there. There's a thought. I don't know if Dave Ziegler would want to go to the president side of things after you know, because he's just now getting an opportunity to be a GM and put his put his own stamp and his own thumbprint on his team. So I don't think that that would be the direction that he would want to go after getting the job as the GM. But I understand because what you're trying, what Bronx Raiders trying to do is protect Champ Kelly because Champ Kelly is going to be a hot commodity. <laughs> if not this upcoming year, then next year. I mean, it won't be long, Champ Kelly. So that's really more of a tip of the cap to Champ from Bronx Raiders. So uh, definitely appreciate that tweet. Ben hit us up and said it's going to be Ice Cube, LOL. Obviously, it's not going to be Ice Cube, but uh, pretty funny. I like that. And, again, uh, multiple people have hit me up and said Marcel Reese. So tomorrow at 1 o'clock, we'll find out who's going to be the president 
of the silver and black. Aaron hit us up on our other subject. We were talking about Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. How many sacks does uh, do you think that realistically they can have amongst each other in 2022? And also the question about turnovers. How many turnovers do you think that the Raiders' defense could create, either it be interceptions, fumble recoveries, or even just getting off the field on fourth down, stopping teams from converting on the first down uh, when they're on fourth down? And Aaron said, I really want Max to have a breakout year, so I think 15 sacks for him. Chandler, if he can get to 10 sacks, that'd be great. Hopefully, with all that pressure, it'll help create more turnovers. Also, guys also guys need to capitalize when the opportunities come up, like recovering fumbles and actually catching interceptions. Too many missed turnovers that cost the Raiders in a lot of games last season, and he's absolutely spot on about that. Many thanks to you, Aaron. I do appreciate the tweet, and I got one more text that I wanted to get to real quick. Um, <laughs> Mailman Raider said, Obama, a Raider fan? That's funny. Uh, actually, we had a tweet that said uh, – Kamala Harris, but I don't want to go there because I don't want to bring politics into uh, <laughs> into the show. So we're going to go ahead and leave that there. Uh, a text from the 925 Canadian big man Leonard Miller to sign with the NBA G League Ignite. So there you go. We were just talking about that with uh, our good friend Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. 356 is the time. When we come back, you'll hear the conversation I had earlier this morning with Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports talking all things NFL. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.